you look great for your age. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> you look like R. Kelly without the charges. <laughs> <laughs> Cedric, welcome to Real Talk with Star Scorpio. How you doing today? I'm good. Sunday morning. Cold outside. We're inside. Nice and warm. Yeah. <laughs> so, Cedric, um, I want to start from the beginning. But first, I want to tell people that are watching this that um, I always admired you. And I did stand-up comedy for eight years, and you're still doing it. But I got to let you know, when you were at a show with me, I always felt good that Cedric was performing with me, man. So I just want to give you kudos for that, for being there for me all those years. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So Cedric, first, where were you born and raised? I was born in a little island called Jamaica <laughs> in Kingston, one of the roughest parts. But I was a little kid, right? So I don't remember it, any kind of roughness, you know? So mm -hmm. I was there till about three years old. And my mom took off and brought me to another island called Montreal or Montreal okay. that you people aren't familiar with. So I'm an island boy and that's where I grew up. Okay. I'm like three and a half. Yeah, I still remember the plane trip getting off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. First mommy, experience. Mommy, mommy, women day, women day. <laughs> First experience that cold weather. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so before stand-up, what did you want to do? Because um, I think you were doing a lot of things before you touched the stage. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I was working in, a, I, I started off, you know, in high school in a restaurant, and then my sister was a nurse, so I got into um, the hospital. Mm -hmm. But here's the funny part. It was in a psych unit. <laughs> oh, God. You okay? <laughs> I went to make, it's called the Madhouse. <laughs> yeah. So for 10 years, I worked in a psych unit in a hospital called the Royal Victoria. Okay, so I know it. I, you know, I, I have a bunch of, uh, I, you know, I wrote a bunch of stuff. A little later on about being in a psych unit but people people are scared of certain jokes mm -hmm. and it's like if you got somebody crazy in your family or psych jokes they're like mm. so i kept about three of them but mm -hmm. um yeah i worked in a psych unit from i was like 18 to like 28 just yeah i started comedy about my last year in uh the psych unit yeah so like that, that. that's what i want to know what age because you know comedy is timeless and you can start comedy at any age. So you're mm -hmm. saying you started around 28 years I, old? First time I stepped on a stage. Okay, let's go back up. I'm 50 years old now. So yeah. I started this late for comedy to start at 28. Yeah. And um, a lot of people, you know, there's some of them, Russell Peters, um, 15, 16, Chris Quigley, 14, 15. Like, you know, they knew what they wanted. Um, Eddie Murphy, 14 years old. Yeah. Dave Chappelle, 14 years old. Yeah. So they knew what they wanted. There's not much to talk about. They could, Chappelle couldn't even get into a comedy club because he was too young. Yeah, I remember but that. But he got, you know, he gets stuck in, right? So at the time, I, I had no idea, but I was taking acting classes in my early 20s. I loved acting. I did a few plays. Okay. So on the side, I would um, go, go to acting and, and improv. And so I was ready on that road without knowing I was on that road. Mm -hmm. And then... That being said, I saw, um, I went to see Just for Laughs, and Just okay. for Laughs is based out of Montreal. Right. And at the time, I, I, I was just blown away. I was like, you know, the, okay, so you know the Kings of Comedy. Yes. But every year, Just for Laughs, they weren't the Kings of Comedy yet. So every year, Just for Laughs would bring somebody up. So I saw Bernie Mac, um, who was very funny. Yeah. Um, he passed away at my age of 50, which is crazy to me. Wow, um, yeah. You had uh, D.L. Hughley. Yes. He was a riffer, very quick. Mm -hmm. You had my favorite was Steve Harvey. This guy was homeless, living out of a car. 
Yeah. Steve Harvey was my favorite. And then Seti, the entertainer, was like a Jay Martin could sing, could ding. That's why his name was Entertainer. He's very smooth, you know, bigger guy. Right. And every, so for, from like the ages of 23, I saw some, uh, Bellamy too, to 28. Bill Bellamy. Just, Bill Bellamy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would want, I was watching these guys from 23, 20. It was just the Uptown show, right? Okay. So Just for Half Laughs had that black section, which was like the Nubian show. Mm-hmm. And they and, and back then, I didn't know who Kenny Robinson was, but Kenny was the kind of the one that they got that idea from, but they never used Kenny. Right. And then I got to see Russell Peters on that show, and I got to see Ronnie Edwards. Now, okay. I don't know if Ron, Ronnie knows this. Ronnie's, one of Ronnie's biggest Jamaican joke was, um, yeah, my mom is, my mom is from Jamaica. And she calls me up the other day and I, I told her, mom, she goes, Ronnie, where are you? I said, mom, I'm in Moose Jaw. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you're in the Jaffa Moose. <laughs> yeah. And white people would laugh. I'm like, oh, that's so cheesy. Yeah, yeah. That's so cheesy. <laughs> if I'm going to write, it's going to be better Jamaican jokes. Right. Which is funny because I got Halifax Comedy Festival a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the jokes they took were my Jamaican jokes. And that's what made me feel proud. You know what I mean? Jamaican people were proud people. Ask any Jamaican where you're from. Bombaclat, Jamaica. Where you're from? Bakayad. We're the proudest people till we get to the border. Where you from? Canada. Yes. Because there's no, we don't have that representation. Russell does. Russell, who's Indian, mm-hmm. made Jamaican, made fun of every culture, but his Jamaican jokes is what brought the Jamaicans on his boat too, right? Yes, yes. So uh, that that was one of my biggest inspirations. And then I went to go see, um, I didn't know the art of it. I went to go watch, I was dating this girl from Toronto. She came to Montreal. I went to the Comedy Nest and we saw this guy, David Acker, who owns the Nest now, which is pretty funny. Wow. And he was up on stage and the whole, so I got to see one person do 45. And I'm like, I, I wasn't laughing because it wasn't funny, but I was like, how does he keep you for 45 minutes like this, right? Right, right. So I knew. You, you know, you don't realize it's an act that you practice and you practice and you practice. You, I was just like, wow. Like, I was just so, the magic of it, right? Mm-hmm. And when you watch it, you're like, whoa, but you, they don't see what we have to do. We go out every night, every night, every yes. night. Yeah. Timing, joke, delivery, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You got to get a premise and then build from there. Yeah. How long did it take you to build your set? Because, you know, we start off with that five and then we hit yeah. the 10 and the 15 half hour and then the 45 where you can start headlining even like Kenny's show how long yeah. did it take you to build your set okay so like I said I stepped on stage first time in 98 um I wrote five minutes of jokes and one of my best which I still do now is my Jamaican joke how you go into a Jamaican restaurant and yeah yeah <laughs> some <laughs> pate no cook yeah, <laughs> oxtail yeah. no cook right excuse me can I have a oxtail dinner oxtail no cook <laughs> have a stew chicken dinner stew chicken no cook <laughs> So that was one of my first. So my, my, my thing was I wrote those five minutes of jokes and I was doing that. And there was all in Montreal, there would be a promoter who would do like little sideshows. And they saw me and they were like, hey, kid, you got to just refine this act. But you have stage presence yes. and you're good looking. Learn mm-hmm. to write the joke. And so I would go out, go out. Ottawa had five minutes open mic and I would do five minutes there. And so I had I, 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 the five minutes that I had written, it's mm-hmm. funny because when I saw Roddy Edwards' moose jaw joke, yeah. I wrote jokes from when I was 25, had it in my bag, bring it to work at the psych unit, but it took me three years to go on stage. Whoa, my so gosh. I carried around a book of 
ideas yes right, that i would look at mm-hmm. but to memorize in front of a mirror and get out of stage when a bright light hits you is a yes. whole different, different. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i was like uh, you want to look down and now it's just it's just weird so um i had the jokes written carried them for three years so my first five minutes um i got i would say it took me two years to get it where the whole five minutes was good mm-hmm. right because you have you, you stay with the ones that work and then you keep adding and adding and adding and adding. So yeah. I got seven minutes, but I I, this, I always separated, which I don't know how, how many urban comics do this. I separated my black jokes and my white jokes. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I had I knew this would be funnier in a black crowd, but it was like mm, I didn't feel comfortable. So I started making fun of white people. So now I went up to about nine to ten minutes and then when I came, my son was my, um, he was living with me from one and a half to like, he was three years old. Yeah. Then he lived with me and my mom. Then his mom wanted him back. So he moved to Toronto. So I was coming to Toronto back and forth to see him because at the hospital, I had every second weekend off. Right. Okay. So I was coming up and that's where, um, you see the Nubian show we did together. I walked in, uh, I, I would go, I got to Toronto and boom, 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 open mic every day of the week. I'm like, yeah. what? So I jumped into this one called the Groundhog, right? And yeah. it was on Bloor Parliament. I walked in there. At the time, I didn't know anybody. I recognized one guy. His name is John Paul. We're still friends up till today. Yes, sir. But I recognized JP in, in 1996. One of my good friends, Smokey, he's a DJ in Montreal. Mm-hmm. John Paul was the comedian in the backyard. Wow. And yes. I remembered him. He didn't remember me, but I was like, do you remember how he does that? Because, yeah, I kind of kind of remember you. I was like, oh, my God, that was amazing, you know, because I'm hearing Trinidadian material. Like, who? nobody's doing this, right? Yeah. So I'm in the Groundhog Pub. I meet Mark Trinidad. Kenny Robinson's the host. Mm-hmm. I meet Mark Trinidad, John Paul, Ron Jossel. These guys mm-hmm. are all monsters right now. Yeah. And uh, and Mark, yeah, Mark Trinidad, John Paul, Kenny, um, Jason Rouse. <laughs> oh white comic yeah yeah so it was like it was a little crappy little room but everybody was just going up there bringing the energy so i went up there with montreal jokes and jamaica jokes and everybody, yep. all them, who's this guy yeah kenny robinson goes hey kid <laughs> like, hey kid <laughs> yeah, yeah have you ever you ever, you ever thought of doing the newbie show i'm like what's that because they're all black comedy um we do it once a month and um i said when is it he goes well it's this sunday I said, shoot, I got to work Monday. I'm just here seeing my kid. And he goes, he goes, no, come on through if you can. I'll, I'll save you a spot. Yeah. And I went up there. And because I was a new face. Yeah. Girls are just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did uh, six minutes. And, you know, back then for us, that's tearing up that show. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Wait, wait. Did. So did you open? Because I, you know how me, I was always open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I was like the, one, of the first, one of the first guys to go on. Okay. That's what he does, right? Mm-hmm. But I tore it up. And um, I was in the back room and there used to be another black comic. He doesn't do it anymore. His name is Mr. Mo. Yeah. Mr. Mo had a show mm-hmm. called The Buzz with um, Darren. Darren's on a radio. He's a radio host right now. Darren so. Jones, yeah. Yeah. So uh, Mr. Mo, I get back to the back room just like... You, you know that that sweating that yeah. oh my god i can't believe like you know a packed room on a sunday night with black people and they love me right yeah and uh all i heard mr mo he didn't know i heard this all i heard is ah oh, he's not gonna last he's just good looking <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. that new guy at work everybody talks to yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he ain't gonna last yeah, yeah. <laughs> yo wait going back to the dubious show so we all know 
um, performing on that show is nerve wracking, like especially for your first time. Yeah. So tell me your first experience being backstage from when Kenny says, we got a new guy coming out. Here he is, Cedric Newbin. Mm-hmm. So how did that feel before yeah, you okay. touched the mic? Okay, so um, you're already charged from the room. You're already emotionally, electrically charged. Yeah. And I, like I said, I had been doing shows for two years, mm-hmm. but I've never done an urban room like this, right? Yeah. So I'm back there. I'm like, I just felt like I'm going to, like I already knew I was going to kill it because I wasn't going to stutter and I knew my jokes. But the energy that was going to come out was, was I knew I'd do well, but I didn't know it was going to do as well as I did because okay. um, you just don't know. You never tried it on an all black room, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it just, the, the, the feedback was so much better than the white rooms. Yeah. That like, yo, like, yo, <laughs> like, no, you know, when I ended up moving to Toronto, mm-hmm. I would do the human show on the, I wasn't with Yuck Yucks yet. Which yeah. is the company I work for, yeah. So I wasn't with Yuck Yuck yet. So I would, I would do a Nubian show, 250 people in the room. Mm-hmm. And then, um, were you at the old room at Young and Negative? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So mm-hmm. I would do that on a Sunday night, but then Monday was the amateur night to try to get in Yucks. Yeah. So the hardest thing is like going from 250 people on a, on a Sunday night to mm-hmm. 12 on a Monday night. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, like you got to find that energy you just yeah. killed last night. <laughs> horrible because yeah. imagine these hockey players now you're in they used to 25 50 000 people and now they're just playing like you know it's like you know when your little kid goes to basketball or as yeah. a kid there's only like three people <laughs> yeah 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 and then you you know it, it's crazy because we went from here to you know down there mm-hmm. so it was a very um up and down but you knew this is where this is what prepares you for the big shows right right and so and back, even go on go on yeah so back to our original question was from there I went from eight minutes to 12 mm-hmm. and then I would just go sit in Yuck Yucks in Mississauga and up moving to Toronto. Yeah. So I was in the back of the room. And um, so now this is about two, I signed in 2001. So now it's about 2000. I would just hang in the back of Yuck Yucks mm-hmm. and I lived around the corner. I would go and just hang oh. out at night. Yeah. <clears throat> so when I moved to Toronto, I moved in 99, mm-hmm. right? I moved to Toronto in late 99, early 2000, and I lived in Mississauga. So I was able, I, I was um, doing courier. So I was driving oh, the daytime. Yeah, yeah. And then in the evening, I was able to go. And so Yuck Yucks had six shows, one Thursday, two Friday, two Saturday, one Sunday. Yeah. And I would just go sit in the back. I knew the managers. I started to watch the acts. And back then, you know, the headliners was Jerry D, yeah. um, Russell Peters, Chris yeah. Quigley, Ian Sirota. Um, Chuck Byrne, I remember, and I would just sit in the back and I would watch these guys. Um, Steve Patterson from the debaters, mm-hmm. he was one of the headliners, and I would just watch, watch how they move, watch how they talk, and then and then um the the manager got to know me, so the manager's like, you want to do five, you want to do five, so I got every night I was getting yeah. on, and then Saturday nights I jump on, right, and then one night, this is how everybody tells the stories like this, and it's true. It's like being a backup goalie when, you know, you, you're, you get that chance. You got to step up. You got to take it. One yeah. night, the middle didn't show. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to find another middle. Because, hey, said, can you do 15? I can do 12. Yeah. <laughs> can you do 15? Yeah. I can do 13. <laughs> yeah. Can you do 15? <laughs> okay, I can do 15. Yeah. So that's so I ended up getting a 15. I was comfortable mixing my black jokes in. So it took me three years to get a 15 I'm comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And then the 15 turned to 20. And then 20, a year later, maybe 25. So now let's fast forward to um to uh, 
I was supposed to open for Kenny Robinson in okay. 2006. Okay. So now I'm seven years in, signed with Yuck Yucks in 2001, seven years in, and um, they said, hey, kid, you know, you kid, you coming out with me out west? I said, yeah, yeah. He goes, it's a, you're going to love it out there. I'm like, ah, like I'm so excited, right? And right. I tell young comics, just to get better, you got to leave your comfort zone. Ah, mm -hmm. So I uh, got everything packed. Day before um, I'm ready to go, I get a call from um, Stacy at the time. She's the, she was the booker at Yuck Yuck. She goes, mm -hmm. I said, Kenny Robinson just got on a movie with Chris Rock called Down to Earth that they're filming in Toronto. I remember that, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, all right, cool. What does this mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She goes, you're going to be the headliner out west. Can you do an hour? Same thing. I got 35. Wait, said, <laughs> let them know out west. So we're talking about Canada. We're talking about the west. It was The west part. So Calgary, you, BC. What are we talking yeah, about? So it, out west means Saskatchewan, Saskatoon, yep. Swift Current, mm -hmm. um, uh, Regina. Okay. Then you go to Calgary, Edmonton. And okay. then you go to um, Vancouver. Vancouver. Okay. Vancouver, right? Mm -hmm. So um, so this is all white cowboys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, said, can you... Can you do? Can you do an hour? I said, ah, I could stretch forty-five with man with my black stuff. And he said, Can you do an hour? I could stretch forty-seven. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> boo, boo, boo. Oh, I guess I'm doing an hour. Yeah. Because you know the price the price rate went up because I'm the headliner now, but it's still not wasn't like Kenny Robinson's money at the time. Mm -hmm. But they said, Okay, we're gonna the opener we're gonna send with you is another young black fella. He's very funny. He's up and coming. His name's Trent McLennan. Okay. Trent, who's half black, half newfie. Yeah. He happened to be, he's on this hour's got 22 minutes now. Okay. So when we're out on the road, I said, um, his opening joke was, you know, I'm from Newfoundland. And he goes, they got a name for black people in Newfoundland. He goes, it's called Trent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, bro, that's funny. You got to do more of that. More mm. black, more newfie jokes. Because that's not something that's common. Sure enough, he, he, he ended up writing more and he got funnier and funnier and funnier. But he was my opener out west. And after my first two shows out there, yeah, I was able to take, because that's what I'm good at. I'm taking where I am yeah. and finding the funny in it where people can relate to it. Right. So I ended up coming. I ended. I did my hour out there, but a 15 of it was just talking to people, right? Mm -hmm. so it, was riff, it was riffing and you got stronger. And they don't see black people out there. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they look at you like you're a dare. <laughs> yeah. Mama, mama, PK, PK. Yeah, <laughs> he's a black hockey player. Mama, PK. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, yeah, so I ended up coming back and you come back with confidence and stronger and more to talk about, you know? Mm. Yeah. So go back to now when you got signed for Yuck Yucks, that process. So 2001, you said you got signed. Yeah. So what was the audition process? Because I auditioned for Mark Breslin, yeah. owner of Yuck Yuck, once, and then he mm. gave me some critique. But what was it for you? Um, okay, so I went through, we went, all go through the same process, right? It's called a showcase. Showcase, So okay. you do the amateur night, you do the amateur night, you do the amateur night, night. and the guy that watched, um, that manages the amateur night will give a list to Mark mm -hmm. of certain people that are coming up and what they want to see. And at the time, I was with uh, Gilson Lubin, right. Kevin Harad, right? Mm -hmm. So I know they ain't putting any three niggas on the <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i was like okay i gotta stand out differently and i had that montreal flavor right yeah so i'm up here i'm about two and a half years in so i started like i said 98 99 inside till mid 2001 so my first showcase was 2000 like maybe let's say uh october 
Mm-hmm. I went in front of him, did my set. You have to do seven minutes, six or seven minutes, right? He just wants to see. And I, I know, and I did well, did well. Uh, I get off stage. He said, hey, I like your stuff. You have a little bit of different, a little Jewish yeah. man. Yeah. But he goes, you're not quite there yet. I said, okay, okay. I'm going to, what, what does he look like? At the time, you don't know. You're like, how can I make this better? Blah, blah, blah. Just kept going out. So the next showcase, maybe five months later, I got on it again. Mm-hmm. And this was a good sign. So he's showcasing eight to ten people. I'm on yeah. last. Yeah. So that means I'm probably stronger than anybody else. And came after, he goes, came up to me after, he goes, you're ready now. Yeah. And you don't know what was the difference between those six months. Because we, if you don't tape, Jerry D said this to me. And I and I started doing it. That's how I got Halifax. you got to tape yourself. Yeah. I hate watching myself. I oh, you do? Oh, you don't I can't like- stand it, but it's 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 like my son um when he was in university for ball, mm-hmm. he watched a lot of game film. And he mm-hmm. said, Dad, like when he was in his last year tearing it up at Laurentian, mm-hmm. he says, Dad, like he go right and they're already waiting for him. Like, because they're watching game tape to see where he likes to go on this play and that play. Yeah. You have to learn to like go around and learn other things that they don't know what you're gonna do up there. Right. And so I started watching him like, whoa, I'm talking way too fast. Right. Like, oh, I could, I could pu- certain jokes that before you say the punchline or the tag, you, you say it, wait for your applause break. Yeah. Wait till the, they simmer down and then hit them. Right. I would just say it and then say the tag right away. I'm like, okay. Oh. Yeah. So I was like, so I watch again. I'm like, whoa. So this is what Breslin's seeing. So when I, I mentor um, some young guys out of Humber now, mm-hmm. I'll give them my advice and I'll say, okay, do this or just change this. And it, it works. Because you understand it. Yeah, I got to tell you, you helped me out with a couple of my jokes. You probably don't remember this, but I had some jokes that you knew were funny. And then yeah. you helped me with. I remember actual, talking to you about it. Yeah, man, with the actual punch. But now getting back to recording. So when I started, I didn't know you started so early. Mm-hmm. I started in 2002. And we used to record our sets on a tape recorder. And if we had a mini cam at the time, we would yeah. film it at the time. <laughs> if we now, had a mini cam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> somebody forgot what it did. <laughs> yeah. But now fast forwarding, how has this new social media boom helped you with getting your content out there? Okay. So Russell Peters got big because of YouTube, right? right? He just People were just watching like, who's this Indian guy making these jokes, Chinese jokes, Indian jokes, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Jamaican jokes. And he got on TV with um, uh, Comedy Now and everybody, and it kind of blew him up, right? Mm-hmm. So at first, everybody was jumping on YouTube. I was putting right. everything up there, right? And now I just put like certain things that I know it's like, because people see your jokes, they know it. Yeah. They come out to the show. And yeah. like, oh, I heard that already. You don't want to pay. So right. you stop putting up your, your, your A material. Yeah. You put up one joke, maybe a riff now, but nobody mm-hmm. wants to put up their whole set. Mm-hmm. So 2006, I was putting up, somebody taped me for a Jamaican show I did. If you go on punching my name right now on YouTube. I seen it. Almost 900,000 views. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, was, I, you know, I was trying to hit a million. It's going to slow down after a while because there's more stuff out there. Nobody's mm-hmm. watching that length of tape on YouTube really anymore. Mm-hmm. So that was like, whoa. And I watched that. And even now I go back to it and I see, and I brought a couple of the jokes back. Mm-hmm. Like one of them I brought back, one of my favorite. And I'm like, why did I drop this joke? It's like, um, there's too many Tim Hortons. <laughs> yeah. Too many Tim Hortons in Toronto. You know how you know there's too many Tim Hortons? Because yeah. if you're in Tim Hortons and you can see another Tim Hortons... <laughs> <laughs> I go too many Tim Hortons. I'm like, I brought that joke back. Yeah, yeah. And it's been killing. And um, and that yeah. So so YouTube was my first thing. Mm-hmm. 
And then Facebook um, was 2007, 2008. So everybody was going on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with the with the new stuff, like TikTok is the newest one. Right. So I, I'm writing short little funny things now. I throw it on TikTok. Um, I'm just learning. My son's really good. Um, I, I'm not good at Insta. You send me a message on Insta. I'm, I'm a Facebook person because I'm an old. Facebook people are considered old school now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really, the old school is MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Facebook. Um, so Facebook is it, it was the platform where I, I like to write stuff. So you mm-hmm. write it. And I'm learning to put pictures up. And, and I put pictures. I catch myself in certain things. All my Facebook pictures of me catching people doing weird stuff. Yeah, yeah. My son's like, Dad, film it. And you're going to get more. Because everybody wants to see um, content like that. So mm-hmm. I started filming a little thing here and there. But, you know, it, it's easier to catch somebody with that. Than a, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. <laughs> so, but I've learned to capture moments with the with the camera. So, so I should be putting it on a reel on, on Insta. Right. But my son just teaches me now how to do reels and the my story because I'm so used to Facebook. I do my my story on Facebook, mm-hmm. but the Insta is where everybody's at, and they call it Insta for a reason because people are just flipping through, like they're just going right, right, right. Oh yeah. And why it's hard for me to get with Insta because Facebook, out of my five thousand Facebook friends, believe it or not, I probably know three thousand of them. <laughs> you wow, know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Where Insta, everybody has like, you're Scorpio. I got yeah. who's Scorpio? I got to go to your page now. If I can't tell you what your picture is, yeah. now I have to add you as a friend to find out who this nigga is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I, I can't get with that. I, I, I'm more personal, right? So okay. Insta, I couldn't really get. I'm uh, so I transferred most of my Facebook stuff to Insta. I'm learning to do the reels, mm-hmm. and my son's teaching me all that. But that's why I couldn't get with Insta. And even, even as an older person. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to, it's hard to navigate in a way, you know, if you like something, you got to go over to the little heart, come back, write what you like, and yeah. like, it's just too much happening. Yeah. So that's why I'm a, still a Facebook, but that's what, going back to your original question was social media. I'm learning to use those platforms mm-hmm. because, um, they have a promoter called juice comedy. Right. And, okay. um, um, you know, juice, you know, no, I, I actually don't know. His name's Wes hype. Okay. Wes. Okay, so there's two internet people that killed it, um, and I opened for both of them, okay? Okay. One of them is Major Hype. Okay, I know Major Hype. Major Hype mm-hmm. had a crazy following because he would do little skits and dress up. This is what a Jamaican would say. This is what a Trini would say. Trini. And he had that following, yeah. but he wasn't a stand-up comedian. So mm-hmm. we went to Montreal now, and I was opening for him. I tore up my 20. He gets on, first five minutes, I was like, oh, my God, that's funny. But then it's like... He keeps putting it this way, this way, this way. And like, yo, this guy's yeah. a funny guy. And the second one I opened for, he's a comedian and he was funny. But the problem was, it, it, okay, so his name's White Yardy. He's from England. Yeah. Oh, I know him. Yeah, yeah. So I'm opening for White Yardy. White Yardy mm-hmm. is funny. Like, especially, you know, he's a white guy, like a Rob Clifford doing Jamaican jokes. But White Yardy was actually born in Jamaica. He, everything he says, he has the accent. It's not an act. It's him. Yeah. Problem being... When a bunch of white people come to the show, we're in Canada. We're still in a white. <laughs> yeah. When they're watching, they, they they get the little skit he's doing because he, you know, he, you know, he'll show Jamaican food this and that. But when he's talking patois, they're not getting anything. They're just, hey, hey, hey. and they'll come up to me after you were way funnier than him. I go because you can't understand him, and maybe I was to them. Yeah. Right? But it wasn't it wasn't about me being funnier. It's just that I could relate to more people than he can. Right. That? White mm-hmm. Yardy can't walk into a, a Yuck Yucks on a regular Saturday night and tear it up. Right. Where I can because they're not going to be able to understand 40 minutes of, of pa- patois. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
that yeah so that's where that's at so that's so anyways yeah so social media was was it helped me in that sense that i'm able to put little clips on and have people know who i am but you know as well as i nothing beats live comp yeah of nothing. course live anything live music yeah you're right you're right but going back to ig now so instagram insta uh you have some you have some hilarious posts right and i like scrolling through sometimes when i see and you have that creative mind like all oh, comedians how do you come up with some of those things and i'm going to put some up so that people see okay uh, like when you compared your hair to marge simpson for one of them <laughs> just outside and you do those selfies like yeah. how do you come up with those things do they just come like My, this to you they, they 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 naturally come and and it's funny like um it's it's like things just it they when you I, i'm a firm believer when you put something out there it comes back it's yeah. like zen positive energy and because i'm a comedian god shows me um i have this belief that god just drops the stuff in my lap and it's whether i choose to take it or not right yeah like two days ago i'm going to get tim hortons for the guys at work i work as a mechanic just through covid yeah. and the lady's driving off but she forgot to take the pump <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> see her rip it off, right? And I'm yeah, hugging yeah. her. I was like, "Did I forget to like? I, did I forget to close my cap?" The, the, I go, "No, no, no." I go, "Carrie, if you're gonna teeth gas, <laughs> you gotta learn to teeth it properly." But I was trying to get my phone. I'm driving in the trying to get the video of it. Yeah, it happened so fast that you know, and that we yeah, had so stuff like that drops in my lap. I would say at a daily, at a yeah. daily pace. Yeah, yeah. Mark Simpson. I wake up, my head sticking up like this. So like first thing you think of is March. Let me put it on. And that's the big thing, Peter. It's like with comedy, you forget stuff. You gotta write things down right yeah. away. Like the other day, I wrote something. Well, <laughs> I wrote something down. I have nowhere to put it in my material. It's just a short little thing. I'm like, you know, you had great sex when you can't find your clothes after you're done. <laughs> What's the party doing up on the ceiling fan? But I have no place to put that, but it's just a thought in process, yeah. right? Wait, and, um, Cedric, wait, going back to that for a minute, though. Yeah. Yo, I never wrote, though. This was my downfall. Mm. So it looks like you do write your stuff. Yeah. I always tried to keep things in my head, and I would mm -hmm. practice in my house, which was, I think that was my mistake, too. Yeah, yeah. But when you have good ideas, you write it, right? Is yeah. that what you do, too? You have to write it down. But my, my favorite, I loved your pink flamingo joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I like. That, certain jokes you always they say everybody always has that one joke that's personal to them. And yeah. you delivered that joke the same every time. Like you were quiet, smooth, right? Yeah. But when you got to that, like I'd be sitting there waiting, I want to get to the flamingo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you gotta write it down. And the other tip I tell people to never throw away a joke. Yeah. Like I had one that was the same thing. I'll tell you the joke real quick. It's a short one. Mm -hmm. but it, it always it always had it got laughs but there's no punchline to it okay and i'm somebody who likes play on words right mm -hmm. i like play on word jokes right i like to make people think a little bit you know so the joke i had i said uh, i would i I, would, i did it a few times over a span a couple of years right i said yeah. my, yeah, my ex-girlfriend had a square ass <laughs> <laughs> i always thought asses are supposed to have curves not angles yeah yeah right yeah and i thought i was missing something i get giggles and that was it one night i did it in, in halifax and as i'm walking back to my hotel room after the show mm -hmm. it came to me it goes i, I always thought it's funny. i'm like yes that's the ending of the joke so the next night i went on stage i go yeah my ex-girlfriend had square ass i never told her that i'm not an asshole mm -hmm. but i always thought asses are supposed to have curves 
not angles. Mm-hmm. I go, I waited. I go, that's why she's not around. Oh, yes. <laughs> it turned that ha ha ha. Right. Like, yes. Whole, that Play out words. Play out words. That little ending to that joke, man. Mm-hmm. And it's just, and I, I was happy and never threw away that joke, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah. So you never, never, never throw it away. Sometimes it's just that little end, that little tweak that has mm-hmm. to be done. I had another one. I can't remember it right now, but yeah, same thing happened. Boom, boom, boom. And I got mm-hmm. the ending of the joke. I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah. So tell me something. Anytime we perform together, you always did well. And I always like when you open for me uh, mm-hmm. and not just me. So you were the opener and, you know, we did a lot of shows at you know, reggae clubs and things before Every, they yeah, had yeah. their actual yeah. club. So we would open. So I never seen you perform bad, but um, I stopped doing comedy but have you had um an experience where it didn't go how you planned and then you were shook after yeah i have (laughs) okay so back in 2000 um they had a room uh called i don't know if you remember it was was by the airport um oh there was he was doing like magnum was doing these yeah magnum yes yeah oh uh paradise it's called Paradise. paradise yes so so <laughs> I, okay, so I have this in my material, but I, I used to teach cars in Montreal, right? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I moved to Toronto. I was working at Honda, ended mm-hmm. up getting in a little bit of trouble there because I held, somebody else stole a car and I, I, I was considered part of the mastermind there. So um, I ended up getting locked up. <laughs> I got locked up for yeah. about, uh, they gave me a month, but you only had to do like two weeks and a little place called in Mississauga called Maplehurst, right? I know it, yeah. So I got locked up. So let's back up now. There's a ward for my rest in Toronto. <laughs> what? Kenny Robinson was doing a show called After Hours, right? Uh, I remember and that. I wanted to get on that show. And uh, John Paul was on the show. Um, uh, a few, uh, Kenny uh, Cardi did a couple. Cardinal official, yeah. And uh, Trey Anthony was one of the writers. And I wanted to get on. And Kenny goes, so cops, <laughs> the cops were looking for me and I took off back to my mom's in Montreal, but I had my apartment still in, in Mississauga. <laughs> yeah. So, so they call me they're like, yo, we need to ask you some questions. I'm like, I'm on vacation, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they showed up at, at my work and I was left. They missed me by five minutes. They get to my apartment. They missed me by five minutes. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I went back to my mom. So I, Kenny was doing a, a weekend in Ottawa. I go, Kenny, what's going on, kid? I run into Mark Trinidad and um, JP yeah. and they go, um, they go, man, we saw we saw your picture of you in the sun. <laughs> you want you wanted? I'm like, who was it? Sure, it was me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they're like, yo. So Trinidad, like, is there a reward for him? I'll call it there right now. Trinidad's an asshole. Huh? <laughs> so Kenny goes, kid, I can't put you on. You wanted? Said, turn yourself in. What are you gonna need? A couple weeks, and then come back out, bro. You know. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, shit. So I did. Uh, I said, ah, let me just turn myself in. And this is the funny part. I get back to my apartment. Uh, it was a Wednesday. I'll never forget this. Wednesday, 2001, September 11th. Mm-hmm. I saw one plane crash into the tower. Wow, the yeah. next plane crashed into the tower. I'm like, the world's coming to an end. Yeah. <laughs> Put on my little clothes. I went to the police station. Yeah. This is Saga on Dixie. Yeah. I said, I'm looking for Detective Johnson, whatever the guy's name was. Um, they go, he's not in till four o'clock. He goes, okay, I'll be back. It's, uh, it's, he told me to come in to see him, Cedric Newman. As I'm walking out, Mr. Newman, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> so, so they locked me up. I had to go to court. I passed through. 
Judge gave me a month. I said, yeah, I did what I did. Conspiracy to car theft. Um, because I had a little couple little things on my record like that, they gave me a month, right? Mm. And it was easy in a little halfway house up in Brantford. And then I was in Maplehurst. <laughs> Anyways, I get out, right? So I'm inside and I'm here with this radio inside the the, the, the cell, whatever. Not the cell, but the, the it's called Ward, the unit. The yeah. zone, it's called the range. It's called the yeah. range. <laughs> you know that? <laughs> no, no that. <laughs> Anyways, so on the radio, I hear Mark Trinidad, come out to the urban show. Blah, blah, and he does a joke on the radio. Back then we had these spots for paradise. Yeah. So I get out. Um, and I get a call saying, hey, said, oh, shit, we couldn't reach you. Like, oh, I was on vacation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, like, I want to do a spot paradise tonight. So I said, cool. I get there. Trinidad's like, yeah, my, my hair said, yeah, that's yeah, blah, 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 like whatever. He brings me up. I was probably second on that night. He says, yeah, this guy just, just gets out of jail, boy. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah. must be hurting him. <laughs> yeah. Bro, I got on stage, so. So picture, I hadn't been on a stage in at least six weeks. Mm-hmm. Just got out of, I mean, I just freshly got my hair cut. This was a Sunday, so I probably got released the Thursday. Yeah. I went on stage, Peter, and and so he just said, I just got out of jail. So all these Jamaicans are looking at me like, let's see how, <laughs> let's see how true this is. Yeah, yeah. And if you have no material on what the person just said, yeah, I didn't know where to start. I had no timing. I yeah. literally tried to go into jokes that I knew. And I just, the timing was off. I was literally stuttering. It was the worst, buddy. I, if you can relate to this, but if, you ha- if you're not a comedian, you don't understand. When you get on there and you don't have anything, the light starts to feel hot. Yeah. Sweat <laughs> starts to come down the middle of my back and it drains into your, in between your bum crack. <laughs> and, and it's like, it's the worst. Oh like, 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 like the light's turning red and you're cooking. I, like, I felt like rotisserie. You know, I'm like, uh, uh, rotisserie. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yo, yo. Oh my God. I'm not a oh. Oh. I'm oh. like, yo. I'm like, I, I look at him, I go, you're an asshole. And, and me and Trini, we still buck heads, but we, we're in a, in a friendly way. Yeah, yeah. But Trini and Trix, Oh. Two mans that try to bury other bads, which they always say, um, it's it's you know it's okay to go on hot before somebody, but I like I, I'd rather follow a hot comedian, right? Okay. But when a man you know would like push it out and bury you, yeah, yeah, in Trinidad, <laughs> two that would bury you and, and feel no, they would sleep in their bed at night. <laughs> I see a man that died like. You know what I mean? I might say something like, yo, have a, let's have a moment of silence for him. But I'll go talk to the bads. Like, I will not try to bury somebody on a show. Yeah. Those guys go out of their way to bury man. Oh, man. And they can watch this, and I will say it to their face. You understand yeah. what I'm saying to you? I have no qualms. I know what I bring to the table. Mm-hmm. But that was the worst show of my life. Like, I literally went back like I hated myself. Yeah. I hated poverty. Yeah. We were hard on ourselves. Oh, I know. Right? I know. And I never had a show like that again. No matter where I went, I just made sure I was always prepared. Yes. Great. And going into a paid gig after coming out of jail, it yeah. was a recipe for disaster, bro. <laughs> you have to, it's like um Michael Jordan coming back after a year and a half of baseball. Yeah. It's not terrible. I went into the gardens and put up 45, but you can't be in game shape if you haven't played in the game. <laughs> right. You're right. You're so right. Bottom line, you can't go out there and and, and, and then hit threes if if you haven't been if you've been in the schoolyard dig, you know what I mean, kicking a ball. Yeah. It's not gonna happen. 
Yo, I'm glad you said this because I didn't know, man. Like, I knew there must have been shows that didn't do well, but that was a story that people need to hear. Yeah. But now this leads to what I got to say, man. So a lot of people in my circle know my story of when I quit, but they don't know you were the one with me on the ride home. So my last show was in Mississauga, Ontario. This is when I was winding down in comedy. I didn't practice and I was asked to do a show and you were on it. I actually forgot one of my jokes on stage. I think I, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. And I did horrible. And then on the way home, you said, yo, can you drive me to the next gig? Cause you're going to Ajax. So me and you were on the way home. And I knew, I knew that was my last show. I'm like, I'm done. Like yeah. I lost the passion and everything, yeah. but you told me something. You said, Peter, don't stop because you're going to be left behind. And if I was really passionate about it, that would have like been like, yeah, Cedric's right. But I knew I was done. But I'm yeah. glad how you tried to keep me in the game. Well, so what I want to know, I want to know, and then for young comics out there, what advice do you have and what kept you motivated to keep going? So um, the first thing you got to understand about what we do, is we don't, we're not in this for the money. <laughs> right. <laughs> not, in, not in this for the money. So when we get a nice look on check, like if I got a five mils, I'm like, whoa. Because you're doing what you love to do and you're getting paid for it, right? Okay. So knowing this, what drives me is I love the high from being on stage. You know, after you leave a good show, nothing beats that high. No drugs, no, no. <laughs> you go, well, unless you win like a million dollars, but I'll yeah. wear off because you have that money there. Right. It, it, I love making people laugh. Like it just gives me this fuel. And that's what keeps me going. Mm-hmm. And that's why you want to keep going and hone your craft. I knew there's no way I was going to stop doing this. Right. Like there's no, there was no quitting me because I knew that's where I had to be. This was my calling. Everybody in life has a certain talent, a certain calling. And we, lot, some people don't choose to do that. I know this is where I was meant to be. And, right. you know, people from high school said, say to me, goes, when they find I'm a comedian and they see my stuff, they go, we knew it. We knew it without knowing it. And, yeah. and I look back grade nine, me and my buddy, Mark, I don't know where he is right now. He got into some point down the wrong road, but mm-hmm. um, we, we would demand so much attention in our geography class yeah. that um, the geography teacher said, listen, if you guys keep the peace in my, cause we would riff on people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys keep the peace. I'll let you guys at the end of every class, five minutes left, I'll let you guys just go at it. Yeah. So now it's like, just waiting, like we just keep the peace. And by yeah. the end of the class, we had five minutes. Like that was five minutes on stage because yeah. we would rip on each other, rip on this, rip on the teacher. And that yeah. was grooming me to be a comedian without knowing that. Right. And then I used to host fashion shows in high school. And, you know, and then I did the talent show. I played uh, LL Cool J. I bought a, LL used to wear troop suits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I bought us some no name and, 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 you know, print on the trooper. And I got a little kango and, you know. I need love. Today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but I'm alone in my room. So yeah, yeah. It's still in my head, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was, I knew a stage and I knew how to navigate on a mm. stage, but it's just, you know what I mean? This yeah. is where, so I know it was in me, but I can't speak for you. And once you lose that passion, mm. but you, you're doing a podcast now. So, you know, you like to talk to people. Yeah. Maybe you could have been a writer behind the scenes on the side, but right. you have a family to provide for. And you knew that I tried it. I did the best I could and mm-hmm. now it's time you knew it was ready time to walk away. Yeah. And that's another art in itself, right? True, true. Cuz you're not going to go through there if you don't really want to be there. If you're not feeling it, you're not going to do well. Yeah. You're so right. Well. So what do you have what advice do you have for comics that are on that brink? I had a comic on Eric Escobar from the states mm-hmm. and he had some good advice for young comics. 
what's a couple of things you would say to someone who's on that that brink, you know, where you want to just give up, but they know this is their passion. Um, you know, there's a young kid I'm mentoring right now, and he, you know, he's having trouble. He has a girlfriend that's helping him out pay and and uh, with the bills and stuff, but he mm. knows. And if you know, you're gonna keep going. Okay. But at the same token, bills gotta be paid. Right. So there's different ways to navigate. Like right now is a great time because you have Uber Eats. Yeah, if you mm-hmm. don't have a car, you got Uber. And Uber Eats, you could jump on a bicycle. You could go make enough for four hours in a day, mm-hmm. in the daytime, and still find a stage at night because you have to find a stage no matter where it is. And during COVID, I was forced after the first, second wave, we were forced to do internet shows. I mean, Zoom yeah. shows. Zoom shows, yeah. And and then I had to do patio shows. I did pool sides. I did backyards. Wow. Like you everything people because you weren't allowed indoors anymore so mm-hmm. my very first gig coming back from the last wave um last year was um a drive-in movie theater i had to make cars laugh wow. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah, and yeah. i wrote a bit on it i'll even tell you right now i had to make cars laugh you yeah. know if they liked you they honk they honk yeah if they didn't like you they high beam yep. <laughs> <laughs> so i, I you know how hard it is to, to, to make a Dodge Caravan laugh? <laughs> Whatever it feels to say when you get heckled. They got one headlight out, Karen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so man. Was, it was awkward because you're not connecting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But we love what we do, so we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And the same way, like, when uh, when Yucky X called me and said, yo, they want you to do a Zoom show. I'm like, I don't, I got to, it's not the same. I got to talk like how we're talking now. Yeah. And people just sit and watch me. I'm like, why don't I just put a tape in? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they want to see the liveness of it. I'm like, oh, I'm not really interested. It says pays eight hundred dollars for twenty minutes. I go, <laughs> all I want to do is a zoom, zoom, zoom in my room, room. <laughs> Bills got to be paid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was that was how that I got good at that, and it's just and there you have to still talk, engage, but sometimes you get a little more. You can use props and you know. Yeah. But it keeps you writing, and that's yeah. the key to the Zoom shows, right? Yeah. I was able to put, you know, some was a JP came up with the idea, and Jay Martin, let's do a, a thing called the Minority the Minority Report. Yeah. We did it every Sunday, and we we met up Tuesday because nobody was going anywhere. We moved it Tuesday evening, right? By Thursday, it's refined, and now we do our monologue in the beginning, three minutes. I mean, sorry, a minute and a half each, and then we go into our sketches. Yeah. And people were enjoying it, right? And it was yeah. crazy. It was crazy. Nice, man. Nice, because. Yeah, when the pandemic hit, I was going to ask, but I'm glad you you touched on it. Um, when COVID hit, like Crystal was saying how she was going through that depression, missing the stage, but yeah. you have to capitalize on what you have. What else is that? Yeah, yes, yeah. You exactly. have to make those adjustments. Right, right. And yeah. pivot, they, like that word they use, pivot. <laughs> Yo, Cedric, I got to ask you, or I got to tell you, this is crazy, man. So my wife, and I told you this when we met in Niagara Falls, mm-hmm. but my wife, my daughter, we enjoyed Big Brother. So mm-hmm. your your son, Taishan, was the winner of Big Brother uh, 9. But yeah. what's crazy is I keep forgetting my age. So you said you're 50. I'm 48. Yeah. Okay. And I'm watching the show. You have this infectious smile that everyone knows, right? Mm-hmm. So I know Cedric has that smile. I seen Taishan, right? And he's a big man. Yeah. And I seen him on the show. And I thought he was your brother. I said Tasha to my wife. I was mm-hmm. like, this looks like Cedric. The comedian. You knew that right away. People told yeah. me that too. But I thought it was your brother. This is how, you know, I wasn't thinking about my age. I was like, yeah. that has to be Cedric's brother. Uh, I was on the subway going somewhere. Somebody goes, hey, 
you look like that guy on Big Brother. I go, no, it wasn't me. Yeah. Was it short? Was it you? He goes, no, you didn't win that money? I go, bro, would I be on the, <laughs> would I be on the subway? <laughs> I go, but it was my son. And yeah. it's funny how people see that, right? Yeah. I, I see, He looks like both me and his mom, but the same thing. He, We know he's playing ball at McGill, and one of the custodians is clean. He goes, who's your father? Yeah. <laughs> his name's Cedric. He goes, Newman? Yeah. <laughs> So this is the guy I went to high school with, like, just saw my son walk in, and he's smiling, and he's like, I know that guy, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And he's gotten that a lot, and the funny part, when we were writing his biography for the show, mm-hmm. I was like, no, 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 he goes, dad, you got to, I said, no, 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 I want you to showcase, I want you to have your own identity. Okay. So uh, showcase your, your mom and your grandmothers, you know, you know, I don't want you to come off as a player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's that, right? Because you yeah. don't have my playing days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so i just didn't need i needed him to have his own identity and this worked out perfect it was yeah perfect. yeah now now he's a, a model he, you know he, he has a master's degree he left his job he left his uh urban planning job a hundred thousand a year to go mm. pursue a modeling he's doing um a lot of youtube stuff now he's yeah everywhere like you know and he's, he's going well the iron they say strike the iron while it's hot it's yeah hot, right yeah yeah, yeah, he has a look and the the personality for it, man. Yeah. So he he, de- he demands attention when he walks into a room. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy, man. So said uh, on a more somber note, um, I seen a post on your IG, and I think the gentleman's name was Andrew Albert. So you lost um fellow comedian. Friend. Did you ever know friend. Andrew? Did you ever meet no, him? No, I didn't know him, okay. but um, your your post touched me, man, because you had a couple of posts with him. Um, how was that experience? And were you close to? close to him okay so the history between me and andrew he's a couple he's about your age him and i um we we started in montreal together we started and we worked together we were like our first couple weeks together we're at the same club and we stayed friends he did um a lot of um improv stuff we stayed friends over the years so he his he had no children so his experiences brought him so he moved to calgary and he lived in halifax yeah and he lived in montreal his last place he was living is montreal he lives in Toronto for a bit. So he worked a whole, he was one of the hardest working guys. We call it a road comic. You know what I mean? A road warrior. Yeah, yeah. He would drive 10 hours for a gig. Mm-hmm. And that being said, Andrew died at 44. His, mm-hmm. so on one of the car trips up uh, two years before COVID, maybe two and a half years ago, we were driving, we had a gig up in uh, Sault Ste. Marie. Okay. So um, he was working Ottawa, and I was in Montreal. He picked me up, boom, boom, boom. We did Ottawa, and we drove to Sioux. And the whole ride up, we're just talking. And one of the things he said to me, he goes, said, you know, my dad had a heart disease. Yeah. He died at 40. Mm-hmm. And he goes, man, I'm 43 right now. I'm happy I made it past that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, he's supposed to take me taking medication and stuff. And he went to sleep one day and didn't wake up. And, he, you know, he didn't see us coming. And I remember doing a gig three months earlier. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, during this whole COVID, I was working, collecting syrup. I dropped my album. This is the most money I had in my bank. And he was so happy. Yeah. And then he went and kicks the bucket right after. It's like, it's like, wow, you, you can't take life for granted, bro. And he made it past his dad's age. But the same token, he probably got to the thing where, yeah, I made it. I'm not going to die, you know? So, yeah. and, you know, I, 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 um, he was someone where both like he we both were road comics but you know i had a little family so i couldn't move everywhere like he did but there hadn't been two weeks to a month where he didn't we didn't call each other yeah we'd catch up laugh 
caught laugh and it was like and anytime andrew was a big hugger anytime he right he hugged yeah, yeah. It could be covid hug he doesn't yeah. give a shit so that's why it, they touched me so much we don't you know what i mean i was on, i was on the road going somewhere and, and that phone call came in and i knew I, well i didn't even ask how he died i knew right away yeah crazy it's crazy and he was healthy he worked out anytime we were on the road together he'd go swimming he'd come to the gym with me Mm-hmm. you have to have the you look great for your age you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you look like r kelly without the charges <laughs> i know you're playing that on a recording Yo, i have to i have to <laughs> I believe I oh, <laughs> but you know i'm glad you um you shared that man because um yeah. you know people got to hear that side of it too and He's, his his spirit and memory is still there, so yeah, that's cool, yeah, man. Yeah. I have a, his picture is in my living room. Hold on, don't move. Yeah. <laughs> hey, bro, he looks at me every day. <laughs> got that? Yeah. Yep, yeah. I got it. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I framed this picture and I have it there. That's how close we were, man. Mm-hmm. Not everybody can make your living room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. True, true, so true. Okay, said. Tell me about this comedy album. What's going on? How did it start? How did you get the footage or and it's and it's hopefully drop in, I think, February? Yeah. But um, let me know that process um with the album. Okay, so a lot of young comics that are like I said, they're way quicker and they Sirius has they play comedy on the on Andrew dropped his album. Sirius XM radio. Sirius XM and the money, you know, there's young comics like let's say um uh Pavone, right? Pavone lives in New York, <coughs> Rouse is in um Texas. And Dana Alexander, you remember Dana Alexander? Yeah, yeah. She's in England. She, you know, she, you know, um, she makes over just off album. Mm-hmm. When you drop an album, that money, you know how we were just talking about having a day job and that, that album money that's out there that a lot of people don't know about mm-hmm. could keep you could keep you stable and make you pick and choose your gigs. Right. When you right. don't have that money coming, you got to take every gig. Right. <laughs> you know right. Yeah. Even a fifty dollar gig is like I don't want to do this, but <laughs> yeah. You know, because you get to a stage where you're like, I, do I really need the fifty bucks? Do I not need the fifty bucks? Right. So mm-hmm. I'm lucky that I'm 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 stable enough that I don't have to take little garbage gigs, but I take it as stage time, right? Yeah. So if I'm getting a low paying gig, I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna use. I'm not gonna use my a material anymore i'm just gonna practice and work out stuff right because they're not paying me for my a material so that being said i said okay i meet john paul doesn't have an album either and quigley who's older just dropped one and he's making good coins so every three you could take a monthly or every three months yeah every three months you know you can make anywhere from three grand depending how many rotations it is three to five grand every three months right so that's 20 grand a year yeah. Some comics, I know one late girl from out west, she's making a hundred grand off her album. Cool. So that's like that's like almost nine grand a month for, right. for just it's just playing in rotation. Right. So you have Series XM, which is Canada, mm-hmm. and then you have other ones. Kevin Hart has his LOL in the States. Yeah. So Crystal's like said, Did you have an album? I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm, I just haven't done it. And she put drop she did hers at the beginning of COVID last year, or mm-hmm. COVID's two years. She did hers at a Nubian show just before COVID. And it dropped, and she's making decent change off of it. Yeah. And I'm like, yo, I got over two hours to stop. Let me right. put something together. I happen to be headlining Downtown Yucks in December. Mm-hmm. I did three shows. And out of the three shows, I took what the best, I was going to take the best of each show, because mm-hmm. I tried doing different stuff. But my second show was fire. Yeah. Just fire. So that's the one I'm editing out. It's called 
Black to the Basics. Okay. And that's the one that I'm dropping in the middle of next month. Mm-hmm. Now, I did a Nubian show two weeks earlier, and that's where I did my urban stuff, right? So I call okay. it Urban Nonsense. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. So it's 20 minutes mm-hmm. of the Nubian show, which is more um, stuff like we talked earlier. I call it Black Material. Mm-hmm. So I'm dropping that. So the original thought of the album is we call Blacks Only. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> because you know how these have the whites only album the whites only bathrooms yeah, yeah, yeah. segregation yeah i ran out by a few people they go that's that's brilliant that's funny but people are gonna i go people are gonna say something about your whatever you call your album anyways but yeah, yeah. i decided not to because just because of the the volatile state right now Never but i'm yet. thinking if, if i say i really want black people to buy this yeah and the cover would have been me and the black going into the the, the black soldi bachelor the white people like just looking over like what's going on in there right i was gonna ask about that the cover <laughs> yeah the cover yeah. would have been that that thing so i decided to call it urban nonsense and i'm dropping that first as an ep 20 okay. minutes yeah and then i'm dropping my regular album which is about 35 to 40 minutes right after Mm-hmm. So I'm going to put both of them on Spotify, uh, Apple Tunes, everywhere, and, you know, get into rotation. That way I can finally get paid for my artwork. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and you know people, what? Because yeah. a lot of people don't. A lot of people um, haven't heard. Like, this is stuff that's been polished, squeaked, and nice. And they want, I have a different outlook on life on stuff. And this is stuff that people don't here on regular i've listened to a lot of the serious stuff i'm like you know everybody relates to different stuff like no no, my stuff is (laughs) yeah my stuff is real yeah yeah they don't know um crystal told me about sound exchange too you know about sound exchange yeah sound exchange is the one that's who's paying you for the serious exam right that's what you paid and -hmm. you have an artist side and you have a producer side so i did my ep with um with, with with um uh Tyler who runs the cottage con- uh, cottage thing so he's gonna get the 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 producer and I get the artist it's okay. about the same but this album I did myself I get the whole thing which is yeah I deserve the whole thing <laughs> sweet man I paid a man to record it paid a man yeah. to edit it and that's it you know sweet all right Cedric so I'm proud of you man um one of the last things we're doing here I got two cards here I'm gonna mix them up. Okay. So with season two of Real Talk with Star Scorpio, I have two questions. So my hand, which one do you want to answer? That'll be your right, my left. <laughs> my right. We're going to go with that. Yeah, your left. Here, yeah, you're, you're okay. right. Sorry, my left. Name one challenging thing you had to overcome in life. One challenging thing I had to overcome in life was was when, um, when I got locked up, man. I got locked up. I was inside. You feel like you were rock bottom mm-hmm. and I had to figure out how to not do what I was doing because I was on the wrong path of going down the wrong rabbit hole I could have been easily this interview could have been doing from jail today yeah yeah <laughs> which we had interview from jail but <laughs> yeah I knew I had more talent and I knew I had more um I was, I was using my energy for the wrong reasons right instead of putting in the positive stuff and when I came out of jail and I was um, with a social worker and she's asking me questions. She goes, how did you end up here? She goes, dude, like most people I interview, they're, they're not as smart as you. They're not as, they don't have as much going on. Like, how did you end up down this rabbit hole? Like, this is stuff people do at high school. Yeah. And I go, you know, my mother instilled the fear of God in me. So I wasn't doing <laughs> that stuff in high school. But I told her I got addicted to stealing cars. It was an addiction. It was like, it was like a high of starting a different car and just driving it like it's mine, you know? Yeah. And she goes, 
so you like cars? I go, yeah, what do you do with them? I, I, I like stripping them and selling the parts. She goes, learn to take that energy and put it in a positive way. So you like cars, go back to school and become a mechanic. She goes, what right. else do you love? I go, I love comedy. I want to be a comedian. She goes, learn to replace that high. And I went to Centennial in Scarborough, did the program, boom, yeah. boom, boom, came out, got my mechanic license. Wow. And in the same token, I started doing more and more shows and I was able to become a comedian, right? Mm -hmm. So it was a matter of just learning what what I was, what was, what was addicting me here. It wasn't the money. Yeah. It was the 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 I like the challenge of it yeah. and replacing it here on fixing cars. Yeah. So that was one of the obstacles that came over in my life. And and that that could be said for anything you do. You know what I mean? These same kids that are walking around with guns in the hood, mm -hmm. why are they get trained to become a police officer if you like guns so much? Yeah. Switch you know it mean? around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And just just learn to take positive and negative energy and change it into positive energy. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> Okay, so now on this end. <laughs> oh, so I'm getting more questions? Oh, <laughs> here, we, here we go. No, balloons now. Yeah. It's all going to be edited. <laughs> so, Cedric, um, I do this to raise money for certain causes or charities. Mm -hmm. And for season two, the three are Up With Women, the Fundraiser Warriors, and the Mississauga Humane Society. So by the balloon that you choose for me to pop, I'll know which um, cause I am donating to today. So again, yeah. with my hands, which one do you want me to pop? Um, pop, pop goes. It looks like you're blowing bubbles. It's <laughs> got warriors. That's warriors right there. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, could you? Uh, so the one in here, the furthest one left. That's the warriors one. I think. This one. Yeah, yeah. Warriors or Mississauga. It was Warriors, isn't it? <laughs> so the <laughs> predictions. So the fourth charity of season two that Star Scorpio is donating to is the Fundraiser is Warriors. Oh my God. <laughs> Did I not nail that? Cedric <laughs> predicted. Amazing. These four young kids are doing great things, raising money for great causes. I've I felt that energy. You see that? Wow, <laughs> look at that. That's the first time. Wow. That's a one in three chance, 33.33%. Yeah. I nailed yeah. it. <laughs> All right, Cedric. Thank you for coming out today. Yeah. Season two, episode four of Real Talk with Star Scorpio is complete and in the books. And we out. Stay blessed, everyone. Stay blessed.